to the So Wizards podcast. I'm Kevin Broom, along with my co-host Ron Oaks Cunningham. And today we are joined by a guest I'm really excited to talk to. We tried to talk earlier this year and scheduling didn't work out so well, but um, Armand Lee, welcome to the uh, to the podcast. Hey, what's going on, Ron? Kevin, as always, it's good to chat with you. You know, the season's coming to an end, but that doesn't mean that there isn't Lord knows tons of Wizards topics to address. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, to jumping in. Hey, we're, we're about Positive to start. Enough. I think we're about to start like the real Wizards season, which is from like mid-April yeah. to October. Every year. This is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, well, yeah, because first we got the vacations. Um, Ron and I are going to, we're going to probably do a an episode coming up where we talk about um, where the Wizards should go on their vacations and... Um, <laughs> Like with the spin though, because like Rui should go to Latin America, he'll improve his handle, like they samba in the street, you know, <laughs> so you have to get fluid. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like how you how you guys have taken the deep dive into where they should go and why they should go there to improve yeah. their game as opposed yeah. to just hey, this yeah. is the party, yeah. this is the spot to go to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I think, though, that, you know, the real reason, of course, is the, you know, the Wizards and by the when this comes out, the Wizards and Knicks will be getting ready to face each other. And, you know, the kind of epic smackdown that these two teams <laughs> uh, run into. Let's I mean, let's just very briefly talk about, uh, you know, the game. We're recording this on Thursday night. The game will be Friday night. And uh, so the Wizards uh, are. Basically, the two teams are tied for um, 11th place in the conference, and the, the Wizards are not committed at all to tanking. They're trying to win. Um, what, are the, what are the Knicks up to these days? Are they trying to tank? Are they trying to win? <laughs> it's always, as a Knicks fan for, you know, I'm 39 years old, been a Knicks fan my whole life. Um, basically, since the 2000 year, the year they went to the Eastern Conference Finals the last time, there hasn't really been a tangible plan with any type of real realistic expectations. You know, it was Scott Layden who wanted to just rip apart everything and trade Marcus Canby and what I still feel is one of the five worst trades ever, which then went to Isaiah Thomas and God knows we don't need to relitigate that whole mess. <laughs> and it's just, you know, they, they believe their own hype and, I'm not going to talk too much about the, the Knicks, but I do this because as a Knicks fan who covered the Wizards for so long, there's so many similarities, not just Ernie yeah. Grunfeld. There's a team who will believe in PPG and a star who has been elevated by, God bless, and I say star very, very loosely, but right, a productive right. player who has been um, enhanced by counting stats. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's almost like you're cutting corners. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the most simplest way I can do it, and it's with Julius Randle, and I think we all understand Bill is a better player than Randle, for sure. Um, but Melo before him, um, if you spend $100,000 on uh, Rolls Royce, it does not then make sense to spend $90,000 on an Audi. Audis are phenomenal cars. They're great. But in a salary cap league, you have to understand tiers. You have to understand, you know, the wins are at the margins. You can have a good player who scores a lot of points 
It doesn't really matter if they're not productive. Yeah. The Knicks have been just kind of meandering and floating around for two plus decades now trying to find these these players and they do it the wrong way. They try to shortchange. They don't hire the right exec. They go after the splashy name, Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. or, you know, Isaiah Thomas, they, 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 or an agent, Leon Rose, when Masai Ujiri basically said, just wait one more year and I will come down to you. Um, so there's just a lack of vision. That's the yeah. best way I can answer your question. Yeah, yeah. so to, to, to the point that you're making there about like the elevation of players, you know, beyond where they they actually fit. It's like one of the things, obviously much of what you said will echo with Wizards fans. You know, that's the, very similar in the way that the two teams operate. But where I was going and what I was thinking about was when you talk about like the, the elevation of players is you, you then basically set yourself up for failure throughout. It's a, It sets up a cascade of failure. And what I mean by that is like, um, like Tommy Shepard and Ted Leonsis, they both talk about the need for a star. You have to start with a star in the NBA and you have to pay that star, you know, the maximum salary because they're a star and that's where you start. And, and in that sense, yes, that is correct. You do have to start with a star, but there's a difference between a guy who makes all-star teams and a guy who makes like all-star teams every year right? Who's like obviously an all-star, right? There's also a difference between like an all-star and like an all-NBA. There's a difference between a guy who is arguably a third-team all-team, all-NBA player, and a guy who's a lock for first team, right? right. It's, th- there's, there's just an ocean of difference in terms of what that means for your team building. Now, you can still build around that third-team guy, but you have to be realistic that he's not that, that elite player, that he's not a truly yeah. elite player. And so that that informs the rest. But if you're not honest with yourself, if you're not like really ruthless in how you evaluate the players and properly place them, then what you end up with is this like weird, weird thing where like you pretend that Spencer Dinwiddie is good enough to be a full-time starter and that Spencer Dinwiddie is good enough to be the second best player on a playoff team. And there was literally no reason to think that that was, that that could be true. So yeah. I can see you're itching to say something. Yeah, yeah. Sticking with like um, the parallels between like Knicks and Wizards, the difference is like I mean there are there are a lot of stars in the NBA. Like stars are you at current like are you at the top tier of players currently in the world? But what you're searching for is who can win you a championship, and that's a superstar. That's when you look at like are you one of the you know 75 best players to have ever played the game? The Knicks are trying to get in through the allure of New York, right? And you got one theoretically with Carmelo Anthony, and you built a great team around him. You just ran into an unfavorable matchup with the uh, Indiana Pacers. Like, Roy Hibbert, like, he went straight up. Like, if Roy Hibbert doesn't, dunk, like, block that mellow dunk, like, you're you're going to the finals that year. Well, you were better than Miami. I'm chomping at the bit, right? Go ahead, no, all right, hold on. Let, let, me, let me finish this. Let me finish this. So, it's like, you're trying to get a superstar. Now, here's the thing. If Bill, like, to take it at Washington, like most of the Wizards fans, like the analysts, they, they think another thing, but like the fans, the ones of us who like watching the team, um, it's like we look at it glass half full. If Bill played for the next seven years the way he played for the prior two, excluding this year, then are you thinking, is that a guy who makes like a top 100 team? Like, is that a guy who morphs into a superstar? And so that's why like some of those moves are made. Like, for example, 
um, why the Knicks got Pablo Prigioni. Like, Melo needs someone who can give him the ball, like, who can give him the ball in spaces and do it. So it's like, are you building around, like, a superstar or are you building around a star? We know building around stars don't work. And I think, like, if we look at it at that avenue, we give better bluster to the players. Like, okay, you're a star. You're just not a superstar. They can live with that. And like, now I'll, I'll wait for you both. They dropping in their arrows, man. I wish you all could see <laughs> Like, come on, let them fly. I'm ready, though. Nah, no arrows, no arrows. Number one, I don't want this to be because it is easy. Carmelo Anthony, God bless that man. Um, I ha- I don't even fault him for not that's not true. No, he was a very very he was a very very good player. But again, I don't. The only thing I fault Carmelo for is the fact, and again, I don't want to do this. I'm, I'm just going to say this sentence, and I'll be done off metal, because I don't want to okay. hijack this show. Then we'll get on to, the t- to, to, to talking about young players today. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony likes to play the victim role of, you know, I didn't have a good... And I loved Pablo Prigioni. I thought Prigioni was a very, actually one of the more prudent signings that we've made in the last 10, 10 plus years, but Melo can't Pablo. play the... Melo can't play the victim role, Right because he forced the team to trade all of their young assets and then to take back Chauncey Billups. Now, the Knicks didn't have to re-sign Chauncey Billups or offer him his his last year. It was a team option. I don't want to bore you guys with the specifics. Carmelo Anthony wasn't the best player on our team during that year. Carmelo Anthony didn't embrace playing the four that year. Uh, That that D'Antoni team, or actually it was Woody, Mike Woodson, um, yeah. embraced that whole three-point barrage before Golden State made it sexy. Carmelo Anthony didn't want to play power forward. Mike Woodson wasn't the best coach, so he started Tyson Chandler and Kenyon Martin in a playoff series because Roy Hibbert uh, averaged 14 points and nine rebounds, though he made it seem like he was the second coming of Lou Alcindor. The whole point yeah. is it was a mess from the start, and it was a mess – it was a mess because we didn't have the assets to build around a player like Carmelo. Um, because I do reject the notion that you can't build around a star. You can. Every team, superstars, there's just not that many of them. I love John Moran. At this point, I don't know if John Moran is a superstar. He's close. He's close. And he probably will get there. But right now, I think when you look at what the Grizzlies did with uh, – Jackson Jr., they and, and they, they build smart, right? They didn't make, they didn't overpay for any high-priced, uh, high points per game player, and then they had the number two pick in a two-player draft, and that guy has developed much better than I think anybody could have envisioned. Yeah, and now they're reaping the benefits. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you get lucky. Okay, but you can't. To what Kevin was alluding to, you can't have a good player. And then think, hey, let's sign Davis Bertans because we're a Davis Bertans away. Right. We can't then say, hey, let's go sign a Spencer Dinwiddie because we're. You have to actually do the work. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to say on that. And, and, and yeah, and just to like just to be clarify, just to be clear about what I was trying to say is like, if you Beal is a very good player, right? Beal is a very good player. He's not great. He's not elite. Right. And so if you then try to say, well, he is elite. He is. Well, then, then you start making moves like signing Davis Bertans to a, exactly. to a deal, or getting a Spencer Dinwiddie, or a, a whole cascade awesome. of other moves 
that are all based around the idea that, oh, well, we already have eight great players. So what we really need to do is fill in the roster around them. And the problem is, is that what they needed was, you know, if, if they're going to build around Beal, they needed like two, three other guys who are about the same level. Right. You know, or you go out and I know, find that, that, that superstar and you keep, you keep looking. That's like the hardest thing, right? I mean, like if you yeah. and you all you all are like historians, like I I'm I mean, I'm only roughly like nine years younger than you, um, Armand. So it's like we we all like in that same millennial, millennial big brother type age, right? So like if you really look at it, I mean you, you have to go back to like two thousand four for the last team collective bunch that won without like a uh, quote unquote superstar. So exactly. it's like you could build around Hold on, pause. Hold on, I'm oh, gonna, oh, I see build around like a superstar. Ben Wallace was absolutely. Okay. Then, you, then you prove my point. Then you need a superstar to win. The, and the it's Pistons like actually had two that season because Ben Wallace was a superstar. He was just different. Chauncey okay. Phillips did too. Was too. Those two guys were both. I don't think Chauncey like, is, is one of the best players. No, no, no. Play. Was, I think Chauncey Ben's was the best phenomenal defender. in those seasons. Chauncey was phenomenal. Yeah, but he's not one of the best players to like play the game, and that's like to me a superstar. Like you wanted the best to like do it. And yeah, so, but, anyway, but like, is, you can you catch are, lightning in a bottle with a, like if Beal suddenly comes out next year and he's you know plays at the level was, of say headed, Chris Paul like, for a year. Well, he was headed. He was headed to that trajectory, right? Like he was ascending. Let's look at it. He's coming into his prime. He's a number three pick, so he already has the cachet. Usually, the higher in a draft you go, the more likely it is that you you like one of the best, like best in the world. So it's not even given you're going to get to the star level. Then this man, granted, it was everyone was scoring more, but he was doing it with le- the least amount of foul shots. Like it's like okay, Harden's getting thirty plus, but he's shooting in like twelve a game. We were petitioning for Bill to get more fouls. So I'm not again, I'm not advocating that he is one, nor do I think he's at a superstar level. I'm just saying like some of the moves that we have made, people aren't looking at it like how the team is. That okay, they think he's ascending into. He can be one of the best players of all time. And I think you two and me included agree, like he's not. He's just a star. And if it's a star, taking into consideration what you all said, you need a couple of stars around him. That's like damn near impossible. A team of three stars, just regular three stars, with the hierarchy? But think about it. This is the thing, right? I think so. Too, it's, I agree with what you're saying, Ron, but it's two-pronged, right? One, and this isn't exclusive to the Wizards. I think this is an entire NBA front office, fans, you name it problem. When a team drafts a player, it is easy to be seduced and want them to be like you envision and you see the the great moments. It happened a lot with Oubre. As the Knicks fan, I remember how much I loved Amon Shumpert. Every team has the guy who you see, it's like, you know, you see the person when you're in high school, someone you may be attracted to. You love them. You, you're like super infatuated with this person, but they can't sing. But because your nose is all open and you're like, oh, man, this is this is the love of my life. You you hear them. I call it the Ashanti theory. I don't know, Ron, you may be too young for this, man, but Ashanti I used to love Ashanti. I used to love Ashanti. God bless. But she, you know, wasn't she wasn't a Rita Franklin. But, you know, at the time, my nose was open and I'm like, man, Ashanti is a great singer. People like her for a look, yeah. You know, she can say, I don't want to disrespect you. I don't want to get down that path. But the fact of the matter is, it's easy to, with, especially with the charismatic player that your team drafts, to say, oh, man, Kelly Oubre, he's turned the corner. And then they'll play 
three really good games in a week. And you're like, oh, he turned the corner. And you're like, hey, look at Kelly Oubre in this really, really specific but oddly random pocket of time. Like, man, and these this week in this random week in February, Kelly Oubre was amazing. And there's no reason why you would just highlight this one week and ignore the entire season, right? Every team has that. Bill obviously is much better player than Kelly Oubre, but you'll see glimpses and you'll say, okay, Bradley Bill, because he's already, we all know he's a good player. He takes a leap after getting paid, which was, I mean, we could talk about that first rookie extension all day. He actually is one of the few players who actually improved after getting paid without yeah. showing that he would. So I give him nothing but credit for that. Mm-hmm. But then it also gets year. to the point. But then I want to, so that's one issue. Another issue is the idea that you have to pay. You say like teams is so random that you get three stars. Well, remember, this has been credibly sourced. And I want to say he's almost been confirmed um, by certain parties that Bradley Beal could have been had could have led the Wizards to get James Harden. Like that, I know that's not just scuttlebutt. No, that's true. That's, that's true. true. So you could have traded for, as you say, Ron, one of the best without a, without a doubt, the last 10 years of this league. Last players of all name six, seven players better than James Harden. You just can't do it. You could have had him. You could have had him. And then for the people who say, oh, but James and John, they played a similar position. John was healthy at that point. You play two players, you see which one's the best. John would have absolutely still had value. You trade John and you get whatever. And that's how you team build. It doesn't have to be a static, we drafted this guy, he has to be with us forever. And I think too often... Not just fans, but teams and franchises get stuck in. We drafted this guy. He's going to be our guy. And the best teams, the best teams, look at Masai Ujiri. Arguably traded the best player in that franchise history in terms of uh, an emotional standpoint. But he made the right decision. Yeah. So this actually segues pretty well into the the, the theory that I I teased to both of you guys. And so... um, it's actually kind of a multi-part theory. So just bear with me for a minute. I'll try to explain this as clearly as I can. And then you guys can tell me like all the ways that I'm wrong. So, <laughs> so I have a theory. One of them if, it is a very much an echo along with what you were saying, Armand, which is that teams like executive coaches, you get that like, um, I forget the, what the bias is called, but it's like when you have something, you're biased towards like having that. The confirmation bias. Yeah, confirmation, but but also like sunk cost bias, right? Like okay. I spent That's a nice pick yeah. on this guy. I can't trade him for a second round pick or for a guy who was, was picked in the second round. I'm gonna look foolish. So you 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 don't do it and you hold on you and you lose. But um so but there's that is is one aspect. But another aspect that goes along with that is that familiarity bias, and that is that fans mostly watch their own team, right? right. There aren't that many uh like sickos like like me and like you guys who what i mean how many games basketball games would you say you watch a year 300 400 500 right i mean i watch every wizards game i I go to yeah wizards games and national tv my lot 300 y'all y'all outpace me oh no i cut back i'm not touching 300 i cut back for a few years to you know probably like you know 250 games or so but i mean if you think Uh about it you watch 82 wizards games Right. And then I watch a game or two, you know, most nights of the week. There are a few nights I take off here and there, but I'm watching 
especially league pass. I mean, you watch a ton of games. Sometimes you watch the compressed games because you just, you know, where somebody asks a question and you go back and you start looking at clips and highlights and um, stuff like that. So you end up watching a a crap ton of games, but there aren't that many of us who do that, right? Most people watch just their own team. And so you see, what you see is a bubble. And the bubble is that your guy always looks like a little bit better than they really are because you don't really have like that frame of reference for comparison, except for like when they play against the other team. And so, especially if you're a fan of the team, you tend to look for what what the player has done well. So, you know, you notice when like Rui Hachimura hits like four or six from three point range and goes for 22 points, right? And maybe you don't pay as much attention to the night where he goes over five and he's like, you know, three for 11 from the floor and he ends up with six points, right? So he was waiting for that bar. He was waiting to go off the Rui. Well, I did that mainly just to tweak Vron, but I could have used I could have used anybody. I mean, people do are doing this all the time with like with Denny, with with everybody. I mean, they everybody, do with everybody. every team has a guy like that. Yeah, and multiple guys for for the most part. I mean, everybody. I mean, Knicks fans with him on Shumpert was hilarious, right? And Knicks. Fans I had my Shump Shump T-shirts and Twenty One Shump Street and everything. Yeah. I was I was in it. If he learned, I said if he learned offense, he could be Toby. I once said that, but it was true. <laughs> If he learned offense, he could be like home. It, boy, he lost up players. Like, that. yeah, he was, he was so athletic too. I mean, he was fun player to watch. But you know, that ACL injury. I mean, every fan base seems to think that Frank Nilakini is going to be like, <laughs> and it's like, come on. So, How long has Jeff Green? Jeff Green has literally made a oh career off of being, hey, <laughs> yes. this is the year. He's, he's one year away. Yeah, 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 he's one year. He's always one year away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. And then, I mean, the wizard's history is littered with these guys, but anyway, so then the next, so that's one part of the theory is that that is, is basically we have a series of biases that stack upon each other that have fans overrating the players on their own team. And it's not just fans because the front offices do it because they watch every, all their own games and they watch lots of other games too. But I do, I do think that's a factor. Then there's another thing, and that is like I was thinking about this because I was listening to um, Ben Taylor's podcast, Thinking Basketball, and um, they got onto the subject of defense. And his sidekick, his co-host Cody, um, asked him a question about like what about defense, right? And across the eras, and like what would happen if you took say an average defense or even like a bad defense now. And just like transported them back to like the 1990s or the, the you know, the 1980s, right? They were locked them up. Exactly. And that's, that's my point is that if you think about, because the knowledge of defense is, has advanced so far. Right. I mean, back then it was like a double team was, you throw the ball into the post and then whoever it was who threw the pass in, right? That guy runs down and doubles the big man and you right. try to force the pass, right? And that's like, that's what a double team was. Yeah. That that was yeah. it. And so like, there was like very little like team action. You know, Pat Riley was really the first to like, he had the Lakers playing a lot of zone and that kind of stuff that was like cheating, playing with a zone that was around what the rules were at the time. Right. right. So, but then, so the next part of that is it got me thinking about individual players. And specifically, I was thinking about Kyle Kuzma because could you imagine like just take Kyle Kuzma, 6'10", right? He can shoot threes, 
reasonably well. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he shoots pretty well. Solid. He's, he's got good ball handling skills, right? He can dribble. He can pass. Could you imagine transporting him back to, say, like 1980? Yeah. Or 1985? He'd be a He would destroy that league. He yeah, would destroy no. that league because he'd be so no. much more skilled. Think about AC. Oh, no, he would. AC oh, Green. No, he would. He would be a superstar in the league. But Sean Kemp, Sean Kemp, destroying. Sean Kemp probably would. Sean Kemp though was a freak athlete and a Before. great player who would be good in any era, right? Yeah. Sean Kemp's quality of play was much more about his athleticism and his like physicality than it was like his necessarily his skills. But, but two points on this, like like. When you when you gotta transport players back, you gotta keep them in the same framework. No, 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 no. So ordinarily, so the way ordinarily the way that I compare players across eras is I try to look at them within their own context, right? So uh, I look at them versus their own competition. But what I'm talking about is is the tradition is the true time machine. Or you take somebody like like Denny Obvia, right? Denny is, or let's go with Denny for now. We'll we'll come to Rui in a second, right? So <laughs> Denny. He's what, 6'9", right? He's a good defender, reasonably agile, 32-ish percent three-point shooter, right? So not great, but he can dribble. He can pass a little bit, right? What would he be? I mean, if you put him on like 1985 yeah. Washington Bullets, right? Israeli Tony Kukos. Yeah. Like all of these, like, but he's good. But like real quick, like to jump out of the abstract, I love the abstract. We can return, but the counterpoint to all of these, uh, all of this stuff is like we may be jaded by only viewing that team, but then that also means like your critiques of others is also lacking insight into those individual teams. So, like for example, the guys at ESPN, I know they didn't watch every single Wizards game, ranking them twenty like last mm-hmm. last in the league. You don't understand the context. These dudes weren't giving an opportunity to like, hey, go sink or swim. Like so, they were to how we began this session. They were because they, they, to you all's point, thought that they were building around Bill and he's not a star. So they were built to, like, help us win and compete now. But anyway, all right, I just had to get that out before I forgot it. Yeah, and yeah. Back oh. But you see my point. So, but then it works the other way around, too, right? Because, okay, um, I mean, I, I think about a guy like A.C. Green, right? What would what would A.C. Green be in this league? Like, in, in right. 2020? I never saw him. I'll leave that to you, too. I John Starks. Like John Starks was an all-star player, six men of the year. You yeah. put John Starks in today's game, just literally just pluck him and drop him in today's game. He doesn't get off. You can't play him. You can't play you can't him. Cook. How you Jones cooking him? Trey Jones cooking him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think about like the way these guys, like the ball handling, when you've got six, 10 guys like crossing over and, right. you know, going to the, to the left hand, finishing like left hand strong or taking like step backs, a step back three, yeah. Nobody yeah. shot that. Think about like Michael Cooper. I mean, three point shots were guys standing still. Nobody shot threes on the move, right? Yeah, that's, like all the players playing now are better than the ones that can. It's evolution, man. Darwin Ben figured it out. Like I, I actually got yelled at oh, uh, one stand that I think like Paul George would have been better than Patrick Ewing. Do you all disagree with that? Uh, I don't. Um, because uh, I, yeah. well, I mean, I liked Pat Ewing. He was one of my favorite players, but I, I do think he, he got a little overrated there. Um, so, but just to sort of bring my, yeah, just to sort of bring my theory, like to just to, to wrap it up is, is part of what I think 
like the reaction, like with Kuzma, for example, or really with like any of these guys, like Rui or, or any of these guys is that we look at these guys and we're like, you know, Rui, you put him back in like, again, like 1990, 1988, 1985, he wrecks that league, right? He scores on average because he's, because he's like six, eight, he's, he's strong, he's fast, he can jump and he's, he can shoot a little bit and he, they would let him, I mean, he would, that mid range is perfect for him. He would just drive by people because defenses weren't set up. They didn't have rotations all and all that kind of stuff. He would just, just he would score easily, much easier yeah. in that game than he does now. And I think that to just, like I said, to try to like summarize is that part of what's happening is that we forget kind of how skilled guys are now and so, but if we think about it in terms of like, well, power forwards could never do this. And Rui, what he's doing is really special. Or Kuzma, what he's doing is really special. When the reality is, is like every team has six, eight, six, ten guys who can, who can handle, no. who can shoot. We don't who forget, can, we who don't forget jump, that who are big and who are strong, you know? So that's we my don't forget. You all forget. You all hold them to like standards of superstars when they're like neophytes. That's the thing. But like, I, again, and like Armand, this leads into you. I would take Ali on talent over with the Knicks cooking with Bar, exception RJ. I think you have a superstar in, in the making out there. I think RJ, when he comes into the fold, when he comes to fold, superstar. So I, I did some homework, but let let me let Armand respond, and then uh, we can. Talk about I appreciate you, Ron. I don't think we have anything close to a superstar on our team. Um, I, I think we have to literally just like scorched earth everything everything and we have the means to do it i think there are a lot of people who would be interested in rj i think i'll answer you this the closest thing the 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 most potential rj has is to somehow bring zion to new york like that's literally his his one piece of uh in my eyes okay this guy could potentially be productive and that would be it was that what was behind the reddish deal on paper, that's what I thought because I had no. Well, I don't. Well, I, uh, but hey, again, can you guys do? Okay. Yeah, so we lost you a little bit I think there. We but, lost you a little bit, but you were something about. Yeah, just so, so I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to let the Knicks talk distract us from this amazing conversation with you two gentlemen about this phenomenal Washington Wizards organization. So, so okay, real quick. So let's, let, let's get to, 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 to some homework that I did on, on these, the, you know, young teams and all that. So, but before we do that, RJ Barrett, just so you know, he, I have him, in, you know, I have my PPA stat. And all. Yeah. Um, he, he rates below average this season. Like, He's yes. playing off-himital system, no spacing with uh, no. the biggest ball hog in the world. Julius <laughs> Randle, ball, like, no, he sucked up gravity. I don't grade on the curve. Actually, yeah, RJ like, is. And then hit yourself. RJ was ranked ahead of Zion. RJ was ranked ahead of Zion. I mean, he's he's more skilled than Zion, which he is, just not as dominant. RJ That's in high school game. though. That was like in high school and college. That has no bearing into anything anymore. Like, yeah. you can go he's every year man. down the list of people who were ranked ahead of. He has the one thing you can't see mentality oh no we're not doing that we're not gonna do god bless we're not doing the mama mentality or the maple mentality none of that we're not doing 
to get back to the next, my girl says, like, when Rui embraces his blackness, it's over. Like, when he unleashes, like, when he unleashes his African, it's over. And I, it's over. Like, Roy, like already, man, because the team don't move when he gets the ball. So, like, he, he will steal someone and they'll miss him. But then they'll, they'll find him when it's, like, five seconds left on the clock and he has to, like, beat people who's going to help. And you know what he does a lot? He beats them. So, some games he don't. But the only time, not Kevin, Kevin's fair. Kevin's fair. Well, it's this guy called Jay Hatem. That that dude only comes out the woodwork when um when Rui has a bad game, which begs the question, right? Like, how could you be a fan of a team when you only when you rooting for the players you have to cook with to fail? We all know we're not winning the championship in the next five years. We don't have the tools for it. So then it's like, what's the goal? It's a metaphysical thing, and I still think our talent better than y'all. All right, so. Like I was saying, I, I did some I did some some homework because uh, Ron probably what a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, texted me. I think it was you know Hachimura was playing a good game and Avdi was having a good game, and he texted me something like, "Oh, the Wizards have Kispert, Kispert, Kispert and Gafford." Yeah, Kispert might have been playing well too. So he sent me a text that was like, "Hey, the Wizards have top ten young talent," and I didn't want to like just say no. I think I did actually just say no. But um, I wanted to give it like a serious look, right? And so I took my metric, BPA, and I, what I did is I took every team's 25 and under. So I made the cutoff 25. And the reason I stopped at 25, two reasons. One is that um, basically every like two or three years, I renew a study that I do where it looks at aging patterns uh, for a typical NBA career. And what I keep finding is that basically players have stopped improving by 26, um, it's by, you know, basically they make their biggest improvement when they're young, um, really like 21, 22, they make big improvements at 23 It's starting. The improvement is starting to taper down. They're still improving, but the, the improvement is starting to taper down. And this is our average effects across the entire league, right? There are always exceptions, but, and then at 24, you get to 25 and at 25, you know, guys are still making significant improvements at 26, once basically from 26 to about 29, it's a plateau. Um, You know, you're starting to get a little worse, but the decline is so small that it's like, it's negligible. And then guys hit 30 and it falls apart. So, um, and then the other reason is, is the average age in the league is 26.3. So, you know, by saying 25 and under, we're saying under the league average. Yeah. So, okay, so I did this for the entire league. I won't like read columns of numbers, but I will just sort of quickly run through. So the Wizards average age, this is the average age of their 25 and under, right? And also for the Knicks. So the Wizards average age 25 and under is 22.6, right? So 22 and a half years, roughly. League average is 22 and a half for, you take all the under 25 guys, average those out. That makes sense, right? Because you start at 19 and you can't go over right. 25. The Knicks average age is 22. So about a six months younger, roughly. Um, so currently the Wizards, like the average PPA of their um, under 25 guys, and those under 25 guys, like Ron was saying, you've got Gafford. Um, he's the only one that uh, rates above average in my metric, my PPA metric. Then you've got like Hachimura, Denny, um, Kispert. Kispert. And then I think those are the, I don't think I included, I'm pretty sure I took Thomas Bryant out because he's likely not to be there next season. So I'm pretty sure I left him out. Um, so 
anyway, and like I said, I did that for every team. And so guys who got traded, like Halliburton no longer counts for the Kings. He now counts right. for, the, for the Indiana Pacers and so on. So like I said, Knicks, so the Wizards PPA is 95. The um, Knicks, it's 93. Um, and the league average for this group um, was surprisingly, at least to me, it was exactly league average. It was 100. 100. Um, so the Wizards ranked 18th right now in like the production from their young players. This is per possession production, production from the young players. The Knicks ranked 19th. Right. So then, um, so I mean, it's kind of perfect because you've got like the Wizards, you know, basically, and the Knicks have the same record, right? The, right. the Knicks are better in the sense that this, you know, scoring differential is better, but the record is the same. So top 20 talent. <laughs> top, 20. top 20. Top 20 in a, in a 30. But wait, I'm not done. Okay, okay. So then what I did is I took that um, aging effect re, uh, research and I just applied it to every team, starting with, you know, wh with where they are. You know, I sort of aged the players just looking five years ahead. So what happened is because the Wizards are cl like close to that average, they're a little higher up, um, is that they actually start losing ground in terms of production. I mean, th th their production improves of these young, of their young guys but not as fast as some of the other teams who are younger. And so for the Knicks who are younger, it, it actually helps them a little bit. So um, you go one year out. So looking at next season, the Wizards go from 18th to 23rd in the, this group of players, their young guy production, right? And then they pretty much stay there. So go two years out, they're 23rd, go three years out, they drop the 24th. Um, Four years out, they're they they're twenty fourth. Five years out, they go down to twenty fifth, um, and so their average for that whole five years is twenty fourth, twenty fourth. Um, and for the Knicks, it's um, they're currently sit nineteenth in production from their young guys. Then they go to sixteen, and then it's fifteen the rest of the way through. So the average fifteenth. So what this analysis would say, it, it, this is just, I mean, this isn't like the most high level forecasting that you could do here. Um, but it's just as a rough look, it suggests the Wizards are sort of near the bottom in terms of what they can expect from their young talent going forward, yeah. going forward while the Knicks are basically right in the middle. Um, Golden State is actually at the top. Um, that surprised me. I was surprised to see Golden State show up. But Jordan Poole is, is having a terrific season, right? Yeah. And um, then they've also got like, uh, you know, some of those other young guys as well, um, Kaminga and not so you're not getting much from the other guys yet, but um, you know, you've got those guys, Memphis, think about Memphis, um, you know, Memphis is up there. They've got like Ja. I would have assumed that Memphis would have been number one between Ja. They get up there, um, especially the further out you go, the higher uh, Memphis goes, because oh. they've got, like you said, they've got Ja, they've got Bane, Bane uh, Brandon Clark, Aaron, Phil's Clark, Clark. Yeah, um, Jaron Jackson. Jackson. Zaire. I mean, Zaire's going to be special. Memphis, and seriously, they've got like 25 and under. They have like an eight-man rotation on their roster right now. That's like, yeah. I mean, a good 20. Think about yeah. Boston, right? Boston, like Jalen Brown is 25. Um, Jason Tatum is 23. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I thought off the head, I just thought Memphis and Boston immediately. Right. Like those two, you know. Yeah. Well, PPA, right though. Say again. Like so, like in in uh, San Fran, they're playing in like a well oiled, well run machine. Like it's plug and pull. They're playing with one of the best players of all time, so it's yeah. a little bit easier. Versus like here, 
and in New York, it's like they're playing for like pseudo good teams. And well, everyone knows like you make your run against the bench. So they're coming off the bench, so they efficiency dips. Like I got counters to that. I think we top ten. We eighteen, we top ten. I don't know, man. Memphis has an entire playoff. They're like a top three seed right now. They're number one in my, in like in my stuff because they're winning those games. Like our young talent is not bad called on to win games, nor is uh oops uh Kevin can speak more on this. Like Jordan Wall is winning games in at Oakland. Well San Fran now. But everyone else is just playing a role, like young talents that are ahead of us. Like Memphis is winning those games, so they efficiency going to be down. It's like, you know, I see what you're saying. You're saying they have the benefit of playing. Yeah, and like not having to like win, like go out and we're dependent on you to win those games. Versus like our bench, they have no leaders. They have no, I mean, our young talent, they they have vets who think they're better than what they are. They had this confusion like all throughout. And they're coming off the bench, so they're, you know, teams make their run against them. So, I mean, like really again, and he has, I'm happy it was above 100 because it's like, okay, you can't call my man replaceable today. But he had 21 5 4. Um, I don't know if he had a block or assist, but it was efficient. Like, not a lot of shots. And that earned him a 115 because he was on the court for 37 minutes and you're supposed to do more on that time. So, like, Gafford, yeah. Gafford's not better than Rui. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question, because I'm coming in as an objective observer. I like the dynamics you guys have with this show, this back and forth. First question, because I'll get to Grafford and Rui in a little bit, right? But the first, and I guess maybe the most pertinent, important question, is this is coming off the heels of how we talked about how fans and teams project maybe a little bit higher their guys than others. What do you realistically see Rui Hachimura becoming as an NBA player? Like, what is not Kawhi, not, not the extreme best case and not the extreme worst case? You got to put your whole, everything that you have on Rui Hachimura being player X. What do you what do you look at him as? However you define uh, it. You just hit it. The X factor. The X factor on a good team. So if that's like six man off the bench, like you come in, be scoring plug, or if that's you as a starter, like, like get your defense up, like be able to become a two-way player, but that X player, like not quite a superstar, borderline star, but like that X factor. That's what that's what I think him and Denny are. I think they're interchangeable X factors. Like one of them could turn the tide of a game, and you need those on like championship contending teams. So Kevin, like he said, bench players like deep down, I accept it. Like they they are perfect role players. Like, yeah, they are perfect role players. So a lot of championship teams, like i.e. the Lakers, top level talent, not a good competent role players. We have pieces. Like, and they fit, they slot in. It's like, okay, like, if you think someone who's a three-level scorer coming off the bench or even starting, he's going to get a mismatch. Rui's going to cook. And if they make him a six-man, so be it. Six-men are valuable now. Denny, uh, we we bantered back and forth about putting him at the 102, but just get him in the starting lineup and get the ball in his hand. They are, that, that's why I see them both becoming, like, X-Factors on a very, very good team that can, like, make a run and surprise someone. So let's say, and again, these aren't perfect comparisons, but let's say Alex Caruso and what Cal Kuzma was on that championship Laker team. That's how you view them as quality guys who would come in. Better. And... <laughs> like, like those two weren't X factors. They had a good game. They're like, they're, they're more like. You didn't think Caruso um, was an X factor? 
Nah, like a spark plug, like the Mike Miller, like Jay, Jay Will back in 06 with the Heat, or like Mike Miller and Shane Battier in like Miami. Like if they, they put up some stuff, you, you got to like watch out for them. Stuff like that. Like, nah, I think by X Factor, I mean, they could turn the tide of the game. Like, and like that's like, you know, Caruso and Kuzma, they kept you in a game from the bench. Like, nah, these are players who are X Factors. They can, and they have the pedigree. They're top 10 picks. They're top 10 picks. That's what I think. Like, so I'll, I'll concede. I don't think they'll ever be superstars, but that's okay. That's okay. So, one, uh, where they were picked at this point, it makes no difference. Um, so, because right now, now we can just evaluate them on what they're actually doing in the NBA. Right. So, that's, mm-hmm. that's one. But, um, the other thing is, is if what they've got is basically like a, you know, seventh and an eighth man, right, on a roster, that's, that's fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. Those are useful players. If they can be good, solid players and that, that that's, that's fine. Um, the, the challenge that the Wizards have is that they have a bunch of guys, Ron and I have talked about this too, but they have a bunch of guys who are basically in that same six, seven, eight spot. Um, one of the things I'm going to do when the season ends is go through and like compare where each of the wizards falls like in relation to where other teams fall. And like Kuzma, for example, you know, he had a nice, um, what, six weeks or so. It was pretty good. Um, but overall for the season, he's just rates a little bit better than average, you know, best season of his career. And it's still just a little better than average. And I went through and just did a quick look with him. And basically he's, he's like at the level of like, if he's the worst the worst starter, your team is pretty good. Your team is decent, right? It's, right, right? He's basically like a fifth, sixth man, right? And so now, so if we say Kuzma's best role is say sixth man, right? And Hachimura's best role is sixth man. And they play the same position. We know we have to. Yeah, one of them's got to go. And see, then you get the problem is that, that Avdia, you know, it's like, seems like the idealized form of Avdia um, you know, for the next probably year or two is probably going to be at that same, like same six man level. And so basically the way I'm looking at the Wizards roster, and I'm going to do the work to like, see if what I think, what I'm thinking is accurate, but that is that they basically have like two starters and the two starters being like Beal and Porzingis. And those are good starters. Right. And then after really? that, no, no, I don't think he's a starter quality player. I think that that's the better. He's a guy that comes off the bench and is valuable coming off the bench. I think Kuzma is a guy who's valuable coming off the bench. I think KCP is best coming off the bench. Avdi is best coming off the bench. Kispert's best coming off the bench. Right, right. Sadaransky, Ish Smith, uh, you know, all of these guys, Gafford, he's all of those guys are better coming off the bench. And so now you've got like a nine-man bench and you don't have starters. So, and yeah, you're going to start some guys, but my point is that what you end up with is um, you, you end up with this lineup where you've got you know, Beal, who's good to very good, and you've got Porzingis, who's good to very good, and then you've got, like, a bunch of guys who are, like, mid and worse playing above where they should be. Yeah, so simple. Get the best stuff out of here. The young guys are more talented. Like, it is what it is. And and you need them, like, again, the team clearly, like, we all can agree with this. They're building under the assumption that Bill is a superstar. Then you give them like the super max, right? So if you was a max player, and that's maybe something like oh, we will score. Like if, if you both have time, just to put a pen in it. I wonder, know like I want to know like what do you both think Bill needs to improve at to enter that superstar echelon, if possible? 
But like, but anyway, back to the point, it's like the team's building that way. So if you look at it that way, then like superstars make the players, the role players who buy into their roles, um, they they help they help them because it's like, okay, if you doubling me, I'm gonna swing it over to Rui. You can't leave Rui wide open anymore. And like Denny, before you can play back on him because he didn't have confidence in his shot. Like now he's looking for it. And then on the opposite end, we need to get Rui up to speed a bit more on defense. But like Denny's are they, they need to switch roles. Like if they fusion then one get offense, one get defense from each other. Like you have those interchangeable roles if Bill is a superstar. And again, that's that's why I look at it that way. And if that's true, then they talk like I, I think, they already know their role. I think um it's clear the Wizards deem that Bradley Bill is an elite player, and you know, we could talk about that if we want. I personally um, and I was never one of these people very bullish on Rui. I wasn't one of the people who were, you know, extra critical. Just like, you know, Rui, he is a different type of player. His age factors in, his kind of size, speed, lateral quickness. You know, it's just kind of like a weird fit of all these different variables. Um, I think as the more time I've seen him play, he seems to me a guy who... I don't, and again, you, you run the risk when his contract comes up. A lot of, he's a fan favorite, and then there's clearly a business aspect to the allure of Rory Hachimura for obvious reasons. Um, but once you start getting, letting that factor in, um, to me, the Wizards, especially given um, the setbacks and the shortcomings of Bradley Bill defensively, I would say, and the age, I would put Rory in, if, as Kevin said, there's a bunch of backup guys, but I would invest or I would assume the younger guy has more chance to, as he was saying earlier, improve and grow. He's also a guy who doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to be productive, uh, whereas Brad obviously has to, and Rui has to, and Kuzma has to, and then you just go down the line and, and over again. I would run the risk of starting Denny, right, maybe in a three. He, he needs, obviously, clear work in finishing and shooting. Um but I and I'm just going off of what the Wizards have. Like this is the mold of play that's in front of me. Yeah, um, yeah. I just don't really see Rui as. I think it's going to be difficult to keep Rui in DC without completely just butchering the cap. If that makes sense. Yeah. Who's up out of here? Yeah. Well, I think one of them at least has to go. Um, right. I, I mean, I, and I will say that, like between the two, I think the guy who's more likely. To have a have you know be a starter quality player is is um Abdia. Yeah, um, I think at this point it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean he yeah, needs to, he needs to. I don't know if he's special, he but he needs a lot of work. You know, but he's feisty, he's competitive, he's willing to get physical, sometimes too physical. But he needs to work on his left hand, right, and he needs to learn how to shoot and yeah. those two things and cut back on the fouls and. You know, if he can do those things, I think that he's got a chance to be a you know a solid starter in the NBA for for a while, um, and especially if he can if he can become a thirty eight percent three point shooter, right? Um, you know, he's 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 going to be a really valuable player for a few years. Hachimura, I'm I'm holding out hope, but like I said, I don't I, I think that they're going to need to find somebody else for that spot. Um, and the other thing I was going to say is. Team, I know that teams do think in terms of, well, we need to keep this guy because of business reasons, right? We can sell the tickets and all this kind of stuff. That's, to be honest, kind of foolish. <laughs> and the it's reason, foolish, 
is the thing that causes home ticket sales and drives home wins, wins right? You yep. win games, people show up, people buy merchandise, people uh, watch the games, right? If okay. you, so the weird thing is, is that guys like Beal and Hachimura are much better for road attendance. They'll help drive road attendance because there will be people who will come out to see them play right. on the road. And that doesn't help the Wizards because the they all share the road gate, right? The home team gets all the, get, takes all the money from the gate and uh, they, they don't share. So basically if you're paying Beal the Supermax because you think it's gonna sell tickets, what you're doing is you're helping your opponents because you're driving up their their ticket sales. Right. Yeah, but um, well, one thing also like it seems like you both are in common consent that like Rui has to go. But I'll I'll have you know, like the team's better with Kuz sitting out. Like no one want to talk about that. Like Kuz is for and I like him and this sucks, right? But you have to make tough decisions, right? Don't want you can't always be Sweden, right? Like you have to. I mean Switzerland, you have to have to make tough decisions, right? So it's like okay, I like Kuz. Like if you if you look at it, can his productive? The question with him is not whether he can be productive. We saw him be productive with his with his usage rate being high. And Kevin Ben, he was the first to market with that. Like in order for Kuz to even do this, he already has the uh, high usage rate. So in order to get up to twenty points, he'll have to have a higher usage rate. And that was proven true, right? He still is knocking him. Just enjoy the show sometimes. You know what I mean? Like just enjoy the show. Like Kuz was putting on the show, but nevertheless. Brad's coming back. Right. KP is here. Like, you know what I mean? So if like if we're getting that third level of production on a high usage rate, when any given night, Denny, Rui, or Gaffer, or Kisper, our young talent, stay with me now, our young talent can be that the third highest rated in PPA, then you you go that because they less usage. Because no. even Lately, it's been, you know, Gaffer's been leading the PPI. I think, we didn't get 400 yesterday or today? I think I saw 400 or 300. Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, so it's like, you know, if you... I mean, you in order for, for 11 from the floor, you're going to have a good score. Right. Yeah, but in order for in order for um, Cruz to put up that, like, what Gaffer got about 20, 24 points the other day, Cruz has to put up about 20 shots, 20-plus shots. I think Rui you're... Only has about 12. I think your analysis regarding Kuz is spot on. I would move both of them. I don't think that you have to be, I don't think that you have to say like, I need either Kuzma or Rui. I don't think either of them are, are positioned. Kuzma, especially because I believe he's in his contract year, something along those, or it's coming up next year. So it's like the Wizards, if you just completely remove, when I get it, I'm not a fan. I enjoy the team. I, I have a rooting interest in the team, but I'm not a fan. But if, if you just take a step back and say, okay, if the ultimate goal is to win a championship, which I believe all of us still feel that way, the ultimate goal is to win a championship, right? No, no not here. Not here. See, this, so, okay, I'm glad you said that because this, as a, as a Knicks fan, I can empathize, but I try to fight it. Don't let poor management, poor ownership, and poor basketball play lower your bar. You don't, no one has to to be a fan you know what I mean so if you're if you are volunteering not only the time not only the money but ultimately the energy right to invest in something that you don't have to why on earth would you be like yeah the ultimate goal is this but I'll never get there 
So let's just do this. And every year you still come underneath it. It's like, we don't, we should be better than that, right? Like, yeah. If you are going to sign up to be a fan, be a fan and hold people. I mean, this is a thing that I saw on your guys' handle last week. And people were acting as if cap space is a bad thing. And I can't wrap my mind around that because in no world in a salary cap league can sal having cap space be considered bad. But what has happened is the PTSD from Tommy and Ernie from all these years, it has everyone thinking, no, we can't have that because we don't know how to handle it. It's like you get a tax return and if you get, you know, if you don't balance it, whatever, get a good tax return, you get money from the government. That's a good thing. But you're like, no, I can't handle it because I'm going to buy this new 70-inch television. I don't want the money. Don't give me the money. Don't give me the money. Like, that's a flaw. That, that's that's just wrong on every single level. Yes. So when oh, I hear you, out. when I hear you, obviously an intelligent fan, someone who knows what he's talking about with the Wizards, has a podcast, an amazing podcast. But when I hear you say, the ultimate goal for us is not a championship. Then I'm like, oh, don't I, let them I, win. Somebody gotta be realistic. Now I want one. Trust me, I I want like I'm a, I'm a I like basketball. I we went my best basketball year in Maryland to grad school. Went undefeated. Um, we had a shooter on our team, a ball guy. He, he was he was he was he was a ball guy. He played at a Kent State or something. He played at Kent State. Um. He choked, like he choked. He was doing dumb shit. They got in his head, so we went out my <laughs> second round, right? But I want I, my my favorite sport, my best sport. Like I be cooking folks in basketball. I'll be like, yo, see me in my real sport, which is footy, like soccer. And I want a championship, right? So I want one. So I, I I want that thrill. That thrill is amazing. And maybe like I don't think he was around, like Kev. He say seventy eight, but he was probably. I don't remember seventy eight, man. It wasn't even HTTV. You know, like HDMI. It wasn't. You know what I mean? Like so, like the champion. And my man Stephen Powers. Stephen Powers may be the only one who remembered the uh, championship. Like so, it was like we want it. But I know what it takes because I, I saw Bobby D from the baseline. No, I remember that stuff, man. <laughs> it's like my my girlfriend. I mean, she she might get mad at this, but she say she remembered Jordan. And it's like Johan Cruyff was like my favorite football, and it's like, bro, I only saw him on VHS. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I, I don't think I remember Jordan. You know. But anyway, the point is, LeBron James killed like in junior high and high school. I watched LeBron James year after year after year, and teams that I we going to the championship. We got Gilbert. Okay, one of the best players I've ever played. Like we got Gilbert. So then. Kind of LeBron doing that kind of taught me what it takes to win a championship. The superstar player. We haven't had one. Flaw star. You the name says it itself. Flaw star. So but as we said, so so where where I come down in agreement with Ron is like I, I do think that every franchise should have a goal of trying to win a championship. Um, a superstar. But that's not the only thing, right? I mean, entertain being sure. competitive, being entertaining is um, that I, I could care less how much money Ted Leon says. People are like, well, Ted shouldn't pay into the luxury tax. I mean, in a theoretical way, I agree with that, that it's not necessary, but I could care less, right? Ted's got money. If he wants to burn, you know, 10, 20 million on a luxury tax, fine. Um, so I don't think that, but the other, where I, I guess I disagree with Ron, it's like, you know, you were talking about like tough decisions between like Kuzma and like Hachimura or KCP or whoever, right? 
they're not tough decisions to me. And the reason they're not is that they're kind of all kind of about the same. They're not good. They're, they're, they're average or not even, right? And so yes. it's like, it, if, I mean, and I, this is going to sound much harsher than I mean it. <laughs> no, let it go. Well, come on, Kevin, give it to me. You can find guys as good as Hachimura, right? Yes. You can find them. And that's I, okay. It, it's not that hard. I love okay, so hold on. Can I just say this real quick? Because I want to make sure I'm not being mischaracterized. I'm not saying a realistic goal for the Wizards should be the win right. playing for a championship. I'm saying the ultimate. Yes. Ultimate. You step in. If yeah. you have a plan, yo, we want to win a championship. It may right. not be this year. It may not be in 10 years. But we want to set a foundation to ultimately, I'm, again, I'm 39. So I remember, I remember the Warriors after run TMC. If you would have told me that the Warriors would have, I'm talking about, I remember Stephen Jackson, Baron Dave, that Warriors, if you would have told me that they, a good, fun team, would have won a championship within five years, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. They're not going to win it this year, but they were close last year. Anyway. You would have told me anytime after Jason Kidd left New Jersey then that the Nets would be championship, like a toenail away from winning the championship, yeah. I would have laughed at you. Yeah. Now, you would have told me that the Clippers, but that goes back to my point about salary space, right? Everybody, the only teams who do well was with, with salary, salary space, historically, are Miami and the Lakers. Those are the only two teams that when they have salary cap space, they they either knock it out the park or they get a double. Every other team struggles because salary cap, the salary cap hasn't been long enough, right? And it hasn't been enough time for everybody to have it. So what happens is you strike out one or two years, then people get, oh, well, you know, we should never do it, as opposed to being like, yo, you're going to mess up a few times. That doesn't then mean you shouldn't try to get it, Yeah. right? That's this number is, one. This is the point. Number that, two. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, I was go just going to say that this is a point that we, we, we've talked about this a little bit as well, and that is that, that the Wizards, just their incredible ability to take the wrong lesson from things. Like, right. You know, we don't want 2016 didn't go well. So, you know, the, the lesson is we don't want cap space. It's like, no, you, your strategy was bad to have cap space when the rest of the league was going to have cap space. Right. Um, we don't want young players. So right. we're not going to pick Jay Crowder. Right. But you could have picked the guy who was mature and tough and hardworking and talented and productive. Right. And you yeah. want a guy like that, whether he's young or whether he's 30 years old. Right. You want quality so the young players. players. The problem was immaturity. Right. And that goes back to my second thing. And we touched on it early. You got, we talk about, you need a superstar, right? The Clippers have a superstar in Kawhi. Um, the, um, the Warriors have a superstar in Steph. The Wizards could have used Bradley Bill to get a superstar, right? Like we can't keep pretending like that didn't happen. So that goes back to Rui and Kuzma. I'm not saying we're going to get a superstar if you trade those two. You know, you have a commodity in your hand. And if you can remove and detach the emotional connection that you have to these players, more so with Rui than, Kate, uh, than Kuzma, then you allow yourself to open doors of potential opportunity. Yeah. Like, again, we've seen this combination of players. You can swap out KP. We can talk about KP in a minute if you want to. I won't be a bitter Nick fan, but I want to kind of well, some of these high expectations when it comes to the unicorn. Okay, I don't see that. We, we'll get to that. 
But I just want to say, like, we've seen this combination of players. So kind of what we're talking about, not learning the right lesson. They clearly aren't going to learn the lesson with Brad until it's too late, right? We know how that's going to play out. He's going to demand a trade after being paid a super match. And you're going to be left to take whatever you can get. But look at the combinations around him. This, this ain't it. Rui's, Rui is Rui. And Rui is older. So that, and he's been hurt. And he had his mysterious injury. To get, like, mental health. The thing, My man the, came back from mental health balling. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make fun of him, whatever he was going through. I don't know what it was. I'm not trying to make fun at all. Well, I don't know. But what I'm saying is there's so many, so many other it's like uh, you have a finite number of keys to a lock, right? And you yeah. tried all these locks because of his age and injuries. And now you're down to like two left. And, and, so, yeah. and one of those keys is like, you know what? You can move off of him. He still has I'm, value. No, with you. It's like, I'm going to tell you, um, same thing we told we had uh we spoke we chopped it up with Domo we chopped it up with Troy Halliburton and um the same thing I told them it's what the former president uh Donald Trump said I will never concede like <laughs> never concede so it's like really well also my my counter to all this is like you all there's two ways to compete for a championship like we all can agree on is one superstar like one of the best players of all time surrounded with the right team a la right. Dirk Nowitzki but you know he got two but one past his prime. Um, LeBron and Cleveland just didn't work out. They ran into like, you know, generational coach, generational talent. But you do that, or you combine like a superstar or very like three talented superstars with a great bench, right? We have the great bench. We have KP. We have Bill. It's like, you see what I'm saying? I don't like, think you guys have great anywhere, honestly. And I'm not trying to be a hater, but I don't, when I look at the Wizards roster construction, I don't see great anywhere. And to be fair, because I want Babbles to think, oh, man, you a Nick fan. You talk. I don't see great anywhere on my team either. They, they just. R.J. Barrett. <laughs> Y'all can have him. Oh, have him. thank you. Thank you for, for, uh, for Cruz. No, that's thank the thing. I wouldn't. Oh. Look, yo, okay, this is perfect. And, Kevin, I'm going to let you because I don't want to. I wouldn't trade R.J. Barrett for the to the Wizards for anything that you guys have. And I don't think R.J. Barrett is good. That says everything. That says everything. Were you when you were Ron Baker fan? No. Was, okay, you know okay. what the last? Okay, as long as you weren't a Ron Baker fan, because no. you, you sound like no Ron Baker fan. You sound no. like no Ron I don't Baker know fan. if Ron Baker's dad was a fan of his. I don't know. The oh, fact okay, is, okay, I, okay. you can't be a fan hey, of players. Hold on, hold on. Good. I just have to throw the little fact in there is that Ron Baker's like place in wizards or so wizards lore is way <laughs> overblown considering that scott brooks gave him a total of 45 minutes i mean he played 45 minutes in a wizard's i i literally forgot when you asked game? me if i was a ron baker fan i forgot he played for the wizards i was like yo yeah. that's a yeah. super wild card to just throw out that nick fan like if i'm a ron baker fan like well, what nah i've been here for a while i just been like like I let the journalists do their thing because, like, that wasn't my field. Like, the pandemic wakes everyone up. Like, hey, the life you live in, really, the life you want. Like, let's start doing things that make you happy. And then they all like, like, Kev, Kev, he's funny. He has the ability with the staff, but most of them staff people, they straight nerds. And, like, they, they can't make an off-hand layup, and their shit's boring. So it's like, you can either complain about it or you can enter the frame. So it was but like, but yeah, I know like my this. history, man. I know, yeah, Ron Baker. He probably was calling for Ron Baker to get four minutes. 
man. But think so about it like this, though. I'm glad you brought that up, right? Because there is, as someone, so, and I, I don't think I'm stepping out of bounds by saying you, you're a lawyer, right? That's what I just found out. I, I mean, want cut to cut that off the same. I don't want people to know. Cut that part, please. I think. But think of it like this, right? I've been fortunate enough, and I think we all probably have to have a, a, a certain set of fan, friends, friend, friends, family, and ourselves who, if you're passionate about something, you go for it, right? So think of it like this. I, I'm fortunate enough to have friends, you know, some partners of mine who are down with the culinary arts. Um, and they love that. They try to know all of the ways to cook, different cuisines, different cultures, when they have a passion for cooking and they go for it. I've got friends of mine who love music and they will listen to all types of, they'll play, they learn, I mean, they, they play all types of instruments, listen to music that they may not be like familiar with all the way. My point is when you're passionate about something, the only time it is criticized is if you are passionate about basketball and you want to read on basketball, you feel me? Like Bama's will come at you like, oh man, I play college basketball, right? I play ball. But I love, I wasn't good enough. You feel me? I wasn't good enough. Yeah, really. But I love basketball. So I will read about basketball. I'm consumed with the, the knowing about basketball. But for whatever reason, when you come up with data, present data in a conversation with basketball, that is then somehow looked upon as uh, you and there. No Bama, if you hear me or see me, I promise you, nobody will come up to me like, oh, you a nerd and anything other than like, and nothing, <laughs> no one. And I, I'm, I'm a smart man, Ron, you're clearly a smart individual. Nobody will come, oh, you're a nerd, Armand. But when it comes to basketball, if you just bring a stat, somehow that invalidates. Hey. It's like, it's, hey. It's, hey. it's the strangest thing. Hey, hey. keep, you know, like, keep, keep, keep it that way. Like, I don't want to hear about VORP in a conversation about basketball. But why not? Like, Kevin Durant because like stats can be manipulated and we may have to do another one to like end, end it all up. Like for example, if I tell you there's this drug that once you take it, you have to take it for the rest of your life. You need it every three minutes. Like you can't live without it. You're more likely not to take that drug. That's oxygen. You know what I mean? So it's like the way you present the stat is like how it goes. Like it's on a per 30 or per 100 possession basis. Like all 100 possessions aren't the same. Like so it's, it's nuances, but the thing on the other side, the eye test folks don't understand it. They need to like understand why you do it. Like the, the staff is just like Americanism. It's American as apple pie. How can we be most efficient to get the most out? I just don't think you can apply that in a kid's game. All right. Uh, so we had a little technical thing, the recording cut off, but um, we're going to come back and what we're going to close with is um, Armand is somebody who has watched Kristaps Porzingis, literally his entire career. And so just wanted to get his thoughts on what Wizards fans can, can hope for and what they can expect from Porzingis. Now I say this, right, because I want Wizards, this is not hate. I promise y'all this is not hate. I got a lot of friends of mine. Uh, I was born in Richmond, Virginia, but grew up in D.C. My family's from D.C. My best friend's my fiance, everybody's from DC. So I have a lot of friends and family uh, with DC ties. So I'm saying this to guard your heart, to, 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 to set the expectations in the right space. I was one of the people when, actually when he was drafted, I was not one of the Knicks fans who booed. I actually was happy with the pick because from what I heard, the guy was super talented. He played in the second best league in the world. 
and he showed some skills. And that first season, it was nothing. It were no expectations. I was just kind of like coming into it. And, you know, obviously the Knicks were a bad team and you could see the talent. You could see the talent. But I remember very vividly heading into year two and specifically before he was injured in year three, the comparisons to, oh, he's just like Cat. He's just like Jokic. He's just, they're all big men uh, around the same age, around the same type of skill set. I was like, no, he's not like Embiid. He's not like Cat. He's not like Jokic, which is fine. He puts up a lot of points right now on a bad team. People talk about his shooting, and I, I can't speak specifically to his shooting this season. But if you look at his shooting throughout his career, they say he's this unicorn with this great shooting. He's never been a great shooter. He's never been a great shooter. Doesn't get to the free throw line. He doesn't rebound. And the only times in his career where he don't want to be reckless, right? But there, I believe, are credible, um, credible journalism and credible stories about him potentially having or him being anemic. Um, in, in New York, every November, his body, something would happen in those cold winter months and it would just miss time and it would grow on itself. Goes to Dallas, obviously, um, not Phoenix by any measure, but a much different climate than New York. And he's playing with an unbelievable player. I think we all would agree, a player that doesn't currently reside in D.C. No matter how you feel about Bradley Beal, I think we all would agree there are a few rungs between him, at least between him and Luca, right? I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and by no shock, he has his best years of his career, but still aren't among where he's being projected as. And this is kind of not to not to double back, not to do a crazy long callback, but this is one of the reasons why advanced stats are important. You can't just rely on per game stats. Um, Masai Ujiri is a is a nerd, but he's one of the best basketball minds that there are. Right? We have to we have to appreciate that. Um, so I caution Wizards fans in this regard. When they traded for him, I knew, you can go on my Twitter timeline, Armand underscore Lee. And I said, as soon as he came this season, he's gonna play so well this season because there's no pressure. Bradley Beal had already been down for the rest of the season. He already sent him out. The Wizards basically punted fans. The moment Brad got hurt, fans were saying tank. You understand? Everybody was like tank, there's no pressure, no pressure at all. And Chris stops comes and he misses time. But it's not a it's not a thing because there's no pressure. And he plays well, then he misses some more time, and it's no it's not a thing. But in these few games recently where he's put up really good, because understand, Chris Stops is skilled. He's so skilled. He's got so much skill. That's not the question. The question is, is he a player who you can build X amount of possessions for? And can he come through possession after possession? game after game when he has a sore ankle and I'm not ever going to question the player's um, willingness to play. But I do wonder that first winter storm that comes next season, how many times, how will his body respond? I do wonder when Brad is healthy and Kristaps is healthy and people are building up unicorn and a supermax player, how will he respond? Will that shooting still be there? Will those 18, 19 rebound performances, will they be there? Will he get to the free throw line? Will the fadeaways at the top of the elbow make their appearances again? 
These are all valid questions and concerns that I have that I want to not dampen anybody's excitement, but guard against what I feel will be the inevitable um, balancing of numbers, if you will. That's fair. The only difference, like, in New York, he had, he was third fiddle, young guy. Like, you know, like, cool. I love him. Who's my fa- like, favorite point guard? Him and Rose, I mean, him and uh, Jason Peter tied, but Derek Rose, Derek Poo Rose, love Poo. But him and Melo were, like, options ahead of him. Um, and then in Dallas, like, I saw Luka for the first time, kind of, no, second time. I saw him Dirk's last time in D.C. Yeah, that's right, rookie Luka. Um, he's a ball hawk. Like, he only passed, like, he's a stat pad and ball hawk. Like, he, he's what they accused Russ of. Like, it clearly didn't work out. It was like a Donovan Mitchell, uh, Rudy oh, Gobert type. We're not going like, to compare Luka to Donovan. No, no, not to that extent. Like, he would give okay. him the ball. but And then Carlisle, like, Porzingis wasn't playing the game he wanted to play. Here, it's to be determined. Like, he's, he's 1A. Like, I'm, and then he's 26. He's entering his prime. Like, even, like, have stats. Like, this is when you go into your prime. So, it's like, I'm with you. Um, and, I, and I think Kev put it this way first. Um, if he plays 34, I'm maybe slugging the numbers. If he plays 34 games, the Wizards might win 16 of them. But that's the thing. How many games is like will he play? But I don't know. That's why if I'm Ted, what I hire this year, forget the game and the DC game, and no one respects that stuff. Uh, hire the best, like, medical staff. We have Walter Reed up the uh, street. Surely they want to get off the government salary. Like, come on, offer them, like, NBA money and bring the best of the best over and like let's do it. We need to pr- protect our players. Who knows? Twenty six years old, finally like not a system player. Like we look at you as like go win us a game type player. I don't know. One man's trash. Yes. Wizards trash too. Well, time they reverse this for us. All our trash go win championships. <laughs> Here's the thing. I I liked the trade um, because. One, the Wizards unloaded a bunch, you know, some guys that they didn't want. You know, Dinwiddie wasn't working out, Bob Bertans wasn't working out, and they were able to trade them. Um, Dinwiddie's, you know, working out pretty good for, for Dallas so far because he's back in his proper role, right? He's coming off the bench. He's, he's, he's able to play off of better players, and, you know, he's in, he's in a perfect role for him. Um, you know, Porzingis has always been productive when he's played. He, they're really, I mean, he's not – like people talk about unicorn and they use the word unicorn and you think this guy is like, he's, it's like the Greek freak, right? You know, with, with Giannis, he's incredible. He's so productive, right? He's an incredible player. Porzingis isn't that he's, he's pretty good. He's, he's in that like very good level that Beal is at, right? Right. It's very similar, but you look at it, you know, he's about average shooting. He's, he's seven, three, you know, I texted you about this, Armand, but, you know, somebody was asking me on Twitter today whether I thought, you know, Porzingis could keep up his great shooting next season. Well, you know, it's specifically from three-point range, right? He's shooting 36.7% this season with the Wizards from three-point range, right? right? So the difference between how he's shooting with the Wizards and his career average is one made shot since he got to the Wizards. That's the, that's the value of that. So it's like 367. Well, he's shooting better right, than his, than his usual. Yeah. It's, it's the difference is literally one made shot. You get one that lips out 
and he's right at his career average, you know. Right. So all of that is basically a long way of saying the, the reason that I like the trade is that it introduced some variability. If he gets hurt and misses, you know, 40 games next season, then the Wizards will have a bad record and they'll miss the playoffs probably almost certainly they, they would miss the play in. And, um, you know, then you get a high draft pick and maybe you start doing some trades and getting, you know, actually dive into the rebuild they should have started two, three years ago. Right. Or if he somehow gets stays healthy and he plays 72 games and he's all-star level, I'm not even saying all NBA level. And then Beal comes back to playing like the way he did, not this season, this season, right. he crap, you know, he was basically a little better than average. But if you go back to like that third, third team all NBA, maybe even just like he's an all-star and he's like contending for 13. Well, then you've got two all-stars on the team or two all-star level producers. And then guys kind of can slot in a little bit better into, into their, their roles, especially if you're able to go out and get, um, you know, like another wing so that you can, you know, keep Avdia coming off the bench, or maybe you get a point guard so you don't have to start Sadoransky. Um, you know, it, then you've got options, but so, and then in that instance, I could see them getting as high as like maybe seventh or sixth, right. If, if things go right, if, you know, Porzingis stays healthy, if Beal stays healthy and, you know, you get some growth from some of the young guys. Yeah. You could get up to, you know, 44 wins, 45 maybe, and get to seventh or sixth. Look at how young guys have progressed. They, they're, okay, hold, on, hold, on. I, hold on. I have to stop there. I have to stop. I have to stop there because, and the reason why is because I, so I do these performance EKGs, right? I track the, their performance throughout the season. Right. And we're talking, we talk about our young guys making progress when, if you look at like the, whatever time span you want, right. How like Hachimura is playing, he's had stretches this season where he's played better than what he has right now. I'm talking this season with Avdia. He's got stretches this season where he's performed better. Same thing with Kispert. And so we talk about improvement. It's like, yes, it's improvement. Like Chase used to this article where he or this little segment where he talked about how, how Avdia has played so well since he went three straight games without scoring, right? <laughs> Can't eliminate those. They, those games still count. Yes, he is playing better since he didn't score in three consecutive games since he had a terrible week, right? But my, my point is that, yes, guys have improved over, say, what they were five games ago or 10 games ago. But if you go back 25 or 30 or 40 games, you'll find stretches where they played better than what they've been playing, where now we're talking about how improved they are. And so what you really see, especially when I look at it on, on these performance EKGs, is like I, I made the, the I, I wrote something about this where I talked about how Avdia's um, EKG looks like a like a sine wave, like a sound wave, where it's just going like up and down, up and down, up and down, and that's that's the nature. Same thing, well, not quite to the same extent with Hachimura. His has been a little bit more of a flat line, but uh, it's uh, it, anyway. That's the point: is that when we're talking about these guys improving and making progress, it's like since when and compared to what. Because uh, re the recency bias. Yeah, th th and that's exactly what it is. Because, like I say, you can go back and you can find stretches where they played as well or better, and then it was followed by long stretches of. That's the thing, right? Like, see, this is what people who watch the team, like who who go through those eighty-two painful battles. Like, think of all the time. 
we were in an Uber once, uh, Megan and I, we were headed to probably some day party or something. And the guy said he really didn't watch sports because it is the number one uh, usurper of time. Like it takes away so much of your focus and time from other stuff. So like the ones who know that and then still dedicate, like I, I won't say like, out of the 82 games, like I missed the Boston beat down. Like Sunday is my my relaxed day. Like put a game on my time, I'm good. Like no, I got my stuff to do. I'm put me first over the Wizards. Um, like but I'll catch like 76, 75 games a year, right? Three hours. I'm not a good at math. Like you, you you're talking at least like 250 hours, right? Like of time you can't get back. And it's like we know more. We know contextually we are we our boots are on the ground, right? Like so we know a little bit more. It's like, dude, early on, like these guys are role play because in PPA you can go like three for three from the field, only play like ten minutes and have a very good score. Like now these guys are being called on to like go out and win games. And they should. Like I'm a young talent should beat Portland. Should have beat Houston. Like these are wins that, you know, those six wins, we in a play in. And I'm proud of that. Right. You, we lost our best player and we made the play in. Be wary of us. We're going to get a top, top pick. You should be afraid of him. Right. So, PPA, it, it looks good because Gafford, again, I don't think Gafford's better than Denny nor uh, Rui. Nor Cool, but his PPA score, him and, um, statistically speaking, him and Aaron Holloway were the best parent on the team. Like, Kev looked into that. We just never, like, dived into it. Like, you would never think that mis- misfit bunch would be the best, like, like offensively rate, like offensively rated duo on the team. But nevertheless, like looking at the context of the team, these guys have had their endure like two iterations of Wizards. Disclaimer, we're not just positive. Like we called them mid when we were ten and three. Like people right. were calling us so wizards. And I'm like an optimistic. I believe I can do anything. So like I'm optimistic. Why won't I like I believe the Wizards can win one. I just know not right now. Patient. So it was like, but we were calling them mid. It was a collection of mid. Sometimes mid can be like Butler get to the championship game, still lose. You're going to lose to the better team. But mid can, like, punch above its weight. and Or it craters because mid sometimes takes more than mid. And then you got, like, egos, clash of egos. But nevertheless, back to the point, the context the context in which these players played, they were dealt a bad hand. On the side, for us, it wasn't development. It was like, we're trying to win. Um, we went for it, though. Like, Russell Westbrook helped him a bit. Denny, I thought he had, like, a a Gordon Hayward type injury, he came back in a year. And then this year, it's like, oh, we got Spencer Dinwiddie, we got the Lakers championship role players. You all are going to be off the bench playing limited minutes just to complement every player. That didn't work out. So I think, like, the context of it matters. And if you all are right that you can build around stars, we have two. So we're close. And if I'm right that we need a superstar, then – we're competing just for a top four team just to go out in the second or third round to the better team. And I'm okay with that. So I get to talk trash to 26 of the other 30 teams. Like, they can't tell me shit. Like, you know, only only three other – if only three people can tell me something, you can't tell me shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, last year we were – 14 teams can't tell us shit. Like, we made the play it and the playoff as the HC. Now we're back. But anyway, I digress. And those are those, those are my party words. Those are my ending words. It's just the context matters. We can be homers, but we've seen what they go, went through. Um, and they progressed. Like, sure, they kind of better. Like, I miss Denny throwing up the X. Like, I miss it. Like, yesterday, it was embarrassing the way he played with his hands time after time after time again. 
If you fool me once, shame on shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like and Trey Young got him, right? So I, but I'm personally kind of glad that that Avdia dropped the X. I, I I'm okay with it. It's like I, I but now he's doing this thing where he's like, yo, you're too small, right? And he's broken it out. Yeah, well, I'm not quite so thrilled because um, you know, people are talking on Twitter about how like wonderful it is that he's talking this trash and he's telling it to like 6'10 Danilo Gallinari. And um, I, I just, I guess I wish that he would get celebrated for talking trash after he actually played well defensively. I mean, he got Gallo smoked Gallo against Gallo Minnesota. Gallo. Minnesota. Atlanta torched him as well. So um, you know, he, he got 12, the NBA's uh, tracking stats had him giving up or responsible for 29 points in each of those games, each of those games against Minnesota and Atlanta, you know, so those were probably but, worst defensive games and uh, people getting excited because he talks. Yeah. Trash. I love, yeah, the confidence. you know, I love a guy who, who will talk trash and will be confident and competitive and feisty and think they're good and that kind of stuff. I just, like I said, I wish that there'd been a little celebration of, of like he had been doing that stuff after he had, you know, like got an R shot one for 11 from against him or something instead you know, of, Kev, Kev's not being like Kev knows he he cracked the code. Like Wes's system is to give up threes. Like we 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 stop layups. Like his system is like we stop layups. Like that's his whole thing. He gives up threes. So like he pointed out yesterday's game. Like Rui Hachimura is looking over at the bench, clueless. No, he's looking over the bench like yo, Wes, your system's not working. You want that's me to a drop problem? We're in 2022. And the coaching system it. is to we give the up. We did the same against Minnesota. Well, the, the system is based on the same kind of ideas. The, the system that they're running is defensively is based on the same kind of ideas that are behind like Milwaukee's, which is that you protect the paint, you protect the, the paint first. And so if you're going to give up threes, you, you go ahead and give those up. Um, the, the, the thing is, is like Milwaukee gives them up, but with closeouts, right? Right. Where, I was going to say the Wizards don't have the athletes yeah. size or well, it I, think they, I think they have adequate athletes i think the issue is that they don't have the motor they don't have the like the kind of effort and, and drive it takes to play that style. Quint, i don't believe in it like they have the cost, desire like, yeah what lit us up like what lit us up and we kept the same defense like yo like we're getting yeah. fucked up like that's the thing we, though the wizard the wizards have been a bad defensive team for doesn't matter no. the coach i mean since wit really yeah. Um, no, no. Scott Burks had a fifth or something. They, they, right? they were decent. They were decent defensively with Whitman, but they they started to slide um, with with Brooks. But like you know, there is there are some scheme issues and some execution issues both of both of them and game planning as well. Like against Atlanta, uh, I, I wrote about this because frankly, it kind of it just that game pissed me off because <laughs> they played drop against Trey Young. Oh, okay. All game. They didn't show him different looks. And the thing is, is they were playing drop and, and the bigs kept going to the wrong side of the screen. Right. And so it's like Trey Young just kept getting open threes. And the Wizards, frankly, got lucky that that he only shot three for nine because, I mean, I, I'm guessing here, I haven't gone back and like watched the tape, but of those nine, I'm guessing like six of them, seven of them were open or wide open shots. Right. And that's because the Wizards are playing drop against what? Why, why would you play drop? At least get him there to the level of the screen or trap him or something. 
that's a question for Wes. And that, and that's why like like once Armand he he did uh he did really dirty. He was like really like uh players were like and it, it was it was bad. It was bad. You know, I was like, damn. Like it was like players were like ten for eleven when Rui def- Rui Hachimura was the uh closest defender. But you gotta think like so I don't know, I gotta look in that like I think like Rui and I think someone said it before, like Rui has to lose some weight, like to to be a little bit more athletic. But um I don't think the issue with athleticism with him. I think that he he needs to somehow get awareness. Maybe they need to like get him playing like ten games. One on one. He has to play one on one. Yeah. Virtually one on one. No, he doesn't need one on one because his problem <laughs> is that he just he's off ball. He doesn't know what's happening. It's like oh, it, off the yeah, the game just stops when he's for him when he's off ball. It just seems like he forgets that there's a, a game happening, and so okay. I, I still think some of that. Like yesterday, like a couple of them, like even the Clippers, like they came back, Amir Coffee and them were like lighting us up for three. It's like we've been playing drop coverage like all year. And to to be to be fair, it's only bitten us like ten times. So it was like, but those ten times that it's like red like it's it's caused us to lose the game are impactful because those are games like we we were in. Like we could have won. And like if you say you split you split those games five and five. We're in a plane. But yeah, that's that's what I think. But like um you you missed that one. Maybe you'll have to get on this with us again. Um I don't think West is uh I don't think West is the, the guy to lead us to, to the promise line, me personally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah. No, I think that there's a lot of um issues around ex- execution. Uh, you know, you can play drop, but you've got to execute it better, or you can um have other things in the tool bag as well. Yeah, sure. Don't seem to have. And he has nothing. And, and players going to quit on you. Like, if, if you are the reason why people going to bully me on social media, like, you're covered. Like, if a man cooking me, cool. Like, I got to own that. I mean, he cooked me. He busted my ass. Like, like Kobe gave someone 81. Like, you got to hold that. Like, that wasn't your coach's system. But if the coach's system is let a guy – like, I was at the Warriors game. Steph Curry gave – I think it was 48. They took him out, and I was happy they took him out. I was talking shit. Like, at least he didn't get 50. That's the win. We were drop. We we were playing drop coverage on the greatest shooter in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um so it's just, odd. It's just, yeah, it's just, I, I'm just saying. What? All right. I think we got to go ahead and wrap this up. We've been going at this a while. It's going to be a long, long episode. And um, so any party oh, comments? Parting shots, parting shots. Going once, going twice. All right. Uh, I'll say that the Wizards' young talent is still top 10. I stand on that. 10 toes down. All right. Well, all we need. Well, I hope for your sake that it comes to fruition, but I appreciate both of you guys rocking with me, inviting me onto your show. Uh, if you guys like this, uh, check out my pod if you guys have time. It's the Quarterly Report podcast. Uh, we spell it Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, uh, report, uh, basketball, boxing, pop culture, football, you know what it is. So if you appreciated me on the show, and again, Kevin, Ron, I appreciate y'all for having me on. Check me out. All right, we'll do. We'll do, man. I'm, definitely I'm definitely out. check out uh, Armand's uh, podcast. It's good. It's it's entertaining. Lots of insight. And um yeah, it's it's good stuff. And um yeah, I even listen when I'm not on. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, man.
All right. So anyway, we're going to wrap up here. And um, thank you, everyone, who has listened all the way to the end. This is a long one. But it's been, I think, a really good conversation. So um, anyway, uh, Wizards, Knicks. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be tonight. So Wizards, Knicks. Night, and then the, the season finale on Sunday and we'll be back after that with another episode of the So Wizards Podcast.